I mean, for me, it's always um, important to, to point to the fact that technology is, I think, almost never a functional solution to a given problem. A bold statement by my interview partner Christian Katzenbach, with whom I speak about the governance of the internet. Roles and regulations for the web, not just as a reaction to problems like hate speech and copyright infringements. No, we're talking about governance and rulemaking as being essential building blocks of our current digital space. So in a way you could say kind of we're building the infrastructures of the next decades currently. Christian is the head of the research group Internet Policy and Governance at The HIG and lead researcher for the research program The Evolving Digital Society. Here's our conversation. How did you become the internet guy, as you said yourself? <laughs> I think it's maybe it's maybe it's two things. I mean, I've always been interested in um, computers and technology in general, and um, but I was I was always kind of in between, kind of being the technology guy and being the humanities guy. I mean, socially, I was also more with the humanities people, but I mean, from the, the intellectual interest, I was strongly also on the side of mathematics and, and, and computer science um, already back then. So I always wanted to study um, and develop a professional life that kind of connects these two, these two elements. Now, I can imagine that the internet issues were a bit different back when you went at the FU. Uh, could you tell me a little bit how... These have changed, maybe from the moment you started researching them. Um, well, I, I mean, I wrote my master thesis on blogs and the change of the public sphere in that context. So it's not too different. I mean, so the social media platforms um, were not. I mean, they, they they were not really there. They started to to become dominant players. Um, so that was 2007. And then I started to work at the Freie University as a researcher and doctoral candidate and starting to think about writing something more about governance, um, internet governance and the governance of then social media more and more. And so that, that was probably the biggest change that, um, yeah, the emergence of the social media platforms as the key dominant players in, in that field. So I think that is the most pressing change that we have observed in the last 15, 15 years. One of the, of course, pillars of your research is about governance. Um, I, I just intuitively imagine there's just way more regulation about any sort of these platforms nowadays than there was maybe 10 years ago. Am I done completely wrong? Um, yeah, I mean, we've especially in the last three years, I think, since um, the, the U.S. election and also the migration issue in Europe, we've seen a lot of pressure on the social media platforms to take responsibility for the content they host and distribute. And in that context, we've seen a lot of initiatives, both in terms of kind of hard regulation, like laws regulations, but also in terms of kind of soft initiatives that want to push them towards more responsibility. So um, self-regulation of the platforms, for example, at the EU level, the, the platforms have kind of signed an agreement that they um, 
want to take terrorist content offline within one hour if it's already identified or within 24 hours um, for other content. So these are some, some examples. And I think generally regulation is struggling with kind of grasping these platforms as new entities because they are kind of both different from traditional media companies that host their content, not only, but also produce the content. Um, on the one hand, and on the other hand, we used to have like these channels or common carrier companies, like, like, like um, cable companies, that um, you could argue that just kind of channel the content towards the, towards the users and that that were not liable for the content they, 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 they distributed. Um, and the platforms, you could argue, are somewhere in between, and we haven't yet found really good um, ways to regulate them in that space. Um, now, you say you, there need, or there is more debate around governance and regulations. What, what does that mean exactly? What, what are we trying to regulate, and what tools do we have to, to do that? So I think there's broad consensus now, more or less, that the platforms have to take more responsibility for the content they host. And the question that is really hard to answer is, how do we put that into concrete regulations? Um, so the, the legal term, you could say, for responsibility is liability, that they are really held liable for the content they host. And the traditional or the the way we, we regulated them that until um, until very recently was that the platforms are generally not liable for the content they host, but only upon notice. So in the US, that's called the notice and takedown procedure. So they are freed from liability as long as nobody kind of points them to content that might infringe copyright, that might be illegal, um, or that might be kind of plainly uh, wrong or for, for some other aspects. And from that moment, they need to take action in one way or the other. Um, so liability only starts kind of very late. Um, and now we've seen the last, last year some initiatives from different policy, um, policy actors to, to, to change that structure. And from my perspective, it culminates in the EU directive on copyright that was really contested um, during the last two years and that now will come into um, execution um, next year. And, and that uh, copyright directive, you could say, kind of changes this paradigm of liability so that the platforms very early on start to be liable, responsible for the content they host. So this is kind of a, a departure from the notice and takedown procedure. And critics say that this is a strong incentive for the platforms to, to be really strict about the, the content that they host and that it will definitely have a negative impact on creativity and plurality of content so that they will become, you could say in a very easy argument, that they will become kind of, again, cable companies that just host professional content that they license and that they can be kind of really secure that they don't infringe any copyright, any personality rights or other things that might, they, they might be sued on. Yeah, I just wanted to think or say that if you put regulations on a platform, not only will they maybe try to uh, 
do their best to apply these new regulations, but it might just fundamentally alter what the platform is. Yeah, I think definitely that's a good, I mean, that's a good question or a good point. Um, by the very, I mean, you could say, or we would say as, as <laughs> academics maybe would say this, this search for the right regulation in a way is also performative. It's not kind of a, a search for the right solution, but it changes the very object of regulation, as you, as you hinted. Um, so the question, what, what are platforms at all? I mean, and, and how, what, where are they positioned at that spectrum, for example, between, as I said, between media companies and um, cable companies? We, we, are, we are trying to, to figure that out. And by... Um, by, yeah, by regulations that that now come up, we also defining the platforms as 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 actors that host content and that are not, are not are not liable for the content that they host, and with that we give them incentives to move in that direction or the other one, and um, I think we have seen many. Um, changes also by some by some of these social media platforms that go into to that direction. Um, another pillar of your research is um, how artificial intelligence plays a role into this. Um, you were telling me earlier um, the idea that, for example, uh, Mark Zuckerberg says uh, when he has to answer to Congress to, in the United States saying like, uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, all these things are going horrible. You need to do something. And then what does Mr. Zuckerberg say? Yeah, apparently in that in that hearing that was not I mean it wasn't too long, he said I think like a dozen times and really a dozen times, uh, AI will fix this or something like we will have in the future we will have technologies in place to address or even solve these issues. So of course that's one of the directions that the platforms are pursuing in responding to this pressure. In, in saying and also also kind of working on that um, on technologies that sift through these very large amounts of content that they host. Um, and of course, that's a perfectly legitimate way of addressing that. I mean, they have so much users and so much content that they, that they host. Um, and um, yeah, it seems like a really a monstrous task to monitor all that, that content. Um, and so technology is, it might be one solution, at least they, they, they think that, because it scales so well. So if you take persons to monitor that content, you need to have thousands and thousands and thousands of people to monitor all that content. But if you have kind of one system, one massive system, technological systems, there is, a, there is a difference between hosting like thousands of videos and and billions and trillions of, of videos but once the system is in place um, you could scale up very very easily or rather easily so that's of course one route that they follow and it's a uh, in this kind of culture of silicon valley of course always the solution the, the route to follow because that's that's one of the key themes of of all those Uh, U.S. startups and also European startup that they want to kind of solve social problems with technological solutions. And uh, even though you're saying it's only part of the solution, one of the other pillars of your research group, your research, your own research, is the increase in AI as as a, a part of this um, solution seeking and the increase of platforms using that. Could you maybe elaborate a little bit how you see that? Um, yeah, going to develop in the next years, decades. 
Yeah, I think it's very interesting to kind of follow closely these debates and discourses about AI generally. You could say, I mean, of course, you could say on the one hand, well, it's just another hype. And we've seen a lot of technological hypes and generally, but also specifically with AI. So there always have been um, promises and concerns with regard to um, AI. Um, starting from the 60s, actually. And um, there have been a lot of ups and downs. Um, people call it AI winters and summers, or springs even, at some point. Um, so there's a lot of up and down in that. Um, and so certainly there there's hype around AI currently, but I think this hype is highly relevant currently because we as societies push so many resources into these technologies, but also in this general debate about ethics also and governance of AI, that I think that what we're currently witnessing is a kind of the making of 21st century AI, as my call Michael Costell, my colleague Michael Costell in the, in the UK uh, calls it. And um, generally, I think we are at that point where all those digital technologies and now more and more complex systems that are labeled AI often are really deeply integrated into our cities, into our pockets by means of our smartphones and kind of really around us in many aspects, also in the medical sector, for example, or in the judicial sector. So in, in many, many sectors and domains of society, these systems are being integrated into our societies. So in a way, you could say kind of we're building the infrastructures of the next decades currently. And in one way, you could compare that with the city development, for example, in Europe in the late 19th century where kind of the city as we know them today has been kind of built up with these big city blocks and then the streets in between that more or less kind of still dictates how we kind of move around how do how do you see the choices that are being made today have an impact on how we will use ai in the future do you have any idea of, of a certain specific choice we're making right now that you think like, oh, this is this will have an impact, a long-lasting impact on years to come? I mean, for me, it's always um, important to, to point to the fact that technology is, I think, almost never a functional solution to a given problem. But we tend to to consider technology in public debate and also in, in our everyday interaction with it as just that device or service that always has been there or that is maybe new, but it's just as it is. So we take it more or less for granted as it is. And it does meet demands and it is a solution to certain problems, but we don't, in the kind of broad uh, way, um, reflect that technology always could be different. So the way our smartphones today are or this, our cities are, how our mobility devices are, the cars, for example, they all could be different. So, for example, um, for this process of closure and the options that we still have might be autonomous vehicles. So currently, I mean, one of the one of the recurring debates, as I perceive it, is that infamous trolley problem. Some people might have heard about that. So the question, the ethic, ethical questions in case of an accident that's imminent, so that can't be, I mean, it, it will happen. 
the question, the hypothetical question is kind of what should the autonomous vehicle do? Should it run into a, a group of elderly, maybe sick people? Or should it hit the six-year-old school kid? Or should it run into, into a wall and kill the driver or kind of um, the people inside the car? And maybe let's say it's three people, not one or something like that. So the hypothetical question is, how should that vehicle be programmed to react? And I think this is a totally dummy discussion um, because if we are at that point that autonomous vehicles drive to our cities with that speed that this will happen at some point, we have made so many wrong decisions that, yeah, that, that we have much more problems than that, probably. And um, what I found interesting is that somehow we already now take the idea of autonomous vehicles being a key element of future mobility as taken for granted, more or less. I think it's a very dominant, dominant theme in the debates. Um, and of course, you could question that, because imagine yourself kind of being in at least in in kind of vibrant European cities with lots of people with um, bicycles and and uh, and people on foot, as yeah, as kind of really pre being present in the in the cities, and we more and more want them to be more and more present, and. Um, so the question is, how will these kind of mobilities interact with autonomous vehicles? And you could, you could, I think, very easily make the argument that we need to change our cities in order to accommodate autonomous vehicles, to make them really, at the same time, safe and efficient. So if you want to have efficient um, autonomous vehicles, probably you have to change parts, at least, of our cities into motorways, where, where the streets and the, the, the sections where bicycles and passengers uh, can, can go to um, are really, really separated. And then you have to think about the intersection, so it's really complicated. I think you have to change our cities in order to, 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 uh, to accommodate that. And then the question is, of course, do we want that? I mean, maybe, maybe the solution is just, well, they, they, they are not a good solution for the mobility problems that we face in growing cities like Berlin, for example. Um, so I think that's, that's one example kind of where we think maybe that we already are talking about solutions, but we might have not really thought about the problems that we might want to address. Um, and I think currently we are in the position, coming back to, to AI, where we still have a lot of options. There are many different pathways we could follow, both technologically as well as policy-wise and also culturally. Um, but at some point in the future, we will take kind of the devices and services and also processes how to use this technology more or less as taken for granted. And we won't reflect on this contingent history they, they have. Um, and, and that's why I think it's a crucial, um, crucial time that we live in because we're currently building this infrastructure that we will take for granted in 10 or 20 years. That was Christian Katzenbach talking about building the infrastructure of our digital society through internet policy and governance. If you want to know more about his research, click on the links in the show notes. And as always, for more information on the Alexander von Humboldt Institute for Internet and Society, their research and future events go to hiig.de. In our next episode, we will hear from sociologist Armin Nasehi, who just recently published his book on the question 
for which problem is digitalization the solution? Ladies and gentlemen, if you learned something today, if you're 20 minutes wiser about the internet, then do leave us a comment or a rating on iTunes. This was Exploring Digital Spheres. Catch you on the flip side.